there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after one dark evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to a spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus said. And Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish leader, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about the earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about the heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. All right, let's pray, and then we'll enter into the uh, next part of our service. Father, we thank you so much for the testimony of your word as we were able to see it dramatically in the video and uh, read aloud by Felix. And I, I pray that as, we're, as we are listening to uh, Pastor Darrell, that your spirit is working through him to soften our hearts, to receive the truth, um, and that we are realizing what it means to be born again, what it means to be a follower of yours. That is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have heard this phrase, born again, before? It was very, very popular in our country at one point in time for people to say uh, that they had been born again. In fact, uh, shortly after I came to faith in Jesus, the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, said he was a born-again Christian. And you hear this all the time. Um, this is, of course, where that idea comes from. You now, people have adopted that and adapted that in different ways. They talk about, you know, I feel reborn and, and so forth. But Jesus is speaking about something very specific that each and every one of us must have if we're ever going to get to heaven. You can't build up enough works from earth to heaven to, uh, to enter. There has to be a transformation from the inside out. Well, today what I've chosen to do um, is, I didn't even bring my notes up here. I've taught on this passage uh, a number of different times, and uh, I almost wasn't going to prepare anything additional, but each time I, uh, I look at a passage of Scripture, no matter how many times I've read it in the past, uh, I get something more out of it. And so I went through, and <laughs> I have uh, purchased a bunch of additional commentaries on John. So, you know, if you delve into our, uh, our logos, 
Bible software, Pastor Craig, you'll see that I've added commentaries. And I just keep getting more and more and more. And I just, I want you to be hungry for the word like this. So what I've chosen to do today is it's just me and you and my English Standard Version of the Bible. I've said on Sunday morning, I wanna go scene by scene, and on Wednesday, I'm going verse by verse. Today, those two are going to coincide because I wanna look at this scene verse by verse, right? Um, so you saw it dramatically presented from the series, The Chosen, which I can highly recommend to you. Um, there are a number of things that are done for dramatic effect on that series, and the writer, Dallas Willard, and producer and director always says, go back and read your Bible. And I could show you areas where there are differences in the way he presented that. Because it's really, the way he did that dramatically is kind of like a sermon all in itself, okay? Um, But this will be my sermon today. I'm just gonna try to deliver this to you verse by verse. And I pray that you'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because that's what we need. We need an outpouring of the Spirit. I keep going back to this revival that was taking place, and I guess is still taking place in uh, Asbury University in Kentucky that is now spread all over the world that they're calling an outpouring. That's, that's after this idea of the Holy Spirit being poured out, and Jesus is the one that pours out the Holy Spirit. Well, right here, Jesus talks to uh, a very uh, erudite, religious man who's also very respectful to Jesus. And he tells him, you really don't get it. Something has to happen to you on the inside before you can get it. So if you come to church week in and week out, go to Bible study, try to read the Bible, and it's just like static to you. Or as I've said before, um, how many of you remember the old uh, Charlie Brown peanuts? Uh, When they, they, you know, you know the comic strip, but they made several movies out of that. Um, what happens in the Peanuts uh, comics every time the teacher talks or every time an adult talks? You never hear what the adults say. And I think that that's many people when they, they, they go to church or uh, you know, they listen to a preacher or they, uh, you know, they, they read the Bible, just wah, 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 wah. there's a reason for that. Something has to happen. Something from heaven has to happen, right? So let's think of it this way before I jump into this. Um, Where were you born? I was born in Grand Canyon, Arizona. Was anybody in the room born outside of this country? Okay, born outside of this country. If we're born in different parts of the country, right? We, uh, we have an accent probably from that part of the country. Uh, anybody in the room here born in, uh, I don't know, the east, on the East Coast somewhere? Yes? And you you kind of have an accent like that a little bit, right? It, you've kind of, cra- I know, Tia definitely does, all right? But, you, but you've crossed over, right? Um, you, you are like those from whom you were born and that, that region from which you came up, right? So I want you to bear that in mind as we get into this. Verse by verse. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So this is a Pharisee. That means he's from the strictest uh, uh, party of, uh, of the day. The Pharisees were the, were the rule makers and the rule keepers, They were the keepers of tradition. But further, it says he was a ruler of the Jews. He may well have been on the Sanhedrin, which would really kind of be like uh, a combination between Congress and the Supreme Court. Uh, 
right? They made all the decisions. So this is a really, really important individual. Further, he's probably a lot older than Jesus. Um, Jesus entered into his ministry at the age of 30. This was when someone was recognized to be mature enough to, to teach. But Jesus wasn't educated like these people were educated. Everyone was constantly wondering, where did he get these things? Where did he get these things? We don't understand. He's just the son of a, of a construction worker. Usually we say carpenter, but the word in, uh, in Greek just means that his dad was a construction worker. And that is his, what? His stepdad is what I like to call Joseph. And Jesus followed in the family trade until he came to the point where he was ready to enter his ministry. Um, verse two, this man, that is Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, let's stop there. He came to him by night. What does that mean? First, number one, it was a time when they would not be distracted, right? It was a time when things were quieter. Uh, back at this time and in parts of the, the world where there's no electricity, people go to bed pretty close to uh, you know, an hour or so after the sun goes down. So things are much, much quieter. But secondly, this man of the, the Sanhedrin would have been concerned about what they were thinking of him, that is, his cohorts, all of the other religious leaders. What would they be thinking of him, an, an elder of his, of his people, coming to this younger man, this, this new rabbi on the scene, and honoring him and asking him questions and interviewing him. So he also came by night because he didn't want anybody to see him. And then the last reason I, I believe uh, this is symbolic in John of this man who thinks he's in the light coming out of darkness and coming to the light of the world, who is Jesus. And that's what Jesus calls himself a number of times, specifically in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. So Jesus is trying to shine the light on this religious man who is indeed still in darkness. Came to him by night and he said to him, Rabbi, so that's an honorific title. It's not just, you know, you, you could say teacher to anybody that taught today, but this was a, was a title of honor. Um, Jesus was being recognized by somebody whose recognition mattered. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. We, so he represents other people. Nicodemus is not just speaking on his own. There are apparently other Pharisees and religious leaders that are saying, no, this fellow comes from God. Now, as I've mentioned a number of times, we've only seen one miracle so far in John, and that's the, the transformation of the water to wine. But at the end of John 2, it says that Jesus was performing many miraculous signs during this Passover. Well, John knows that these other gospels are circulating and they present all of these other miracles that Jesus was doing. Jesus healed people. He cleansed lepers. He opened the eyes of the blind. Uh, he eventually raises the dead and that happens here. And so they are, uh, that is this group is enamored with Jesus, not only because of what he's saying, but because of what he's doing. What you do should point positively to what you say. And as we've seen in John, the miracles are not just miracles. They're not just magic tricks, right? They are signs. They're pointing to the reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. These signs that you do, no one can do them unless God is with him. So Jesus could have said, well, thank you so much, Nicodemus. I appreciate that. 
I'm really glad you're paying attention. But what does Jesus say? Jesus answered him, Amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He stops him. When Jesus says truly, truly, and he says this a number of times, he's using a double amen, okay? The rabbis would say amen at the end of their teaching. It is a word in Hebrew that is related to the word truth or true, okay? Emuna is the, the Hebrew word for, uh, for true or truth. And so amen and emuna are related to one another. So it's a word that means this is true. So when I say something and then I say amen and you guys say, you're agreeing with me. You're saying, okay, yeah, oh, we agree. But I say that after. I don't say amen, boom, right? Jesus wasn't looking for agreement. He was saying, this is the truth. This was the difference in Jesus' teaching. He wasn't putting an amen at the end and saying, man, I hope this is true. I think this is true. That's what I have to do. I'm just teaching the Bible, right? This is the truth. I'm just the person that's speaking it. So I'm going to say my amen at the end, and I'm going to ask you if you agree to say your amen, and we're saying that's true. That's the way it is. Jesus is saying, stop, Nicodemus, stop. Stop talking. I love you, but stop talking. You don't get it at all. That's what this amen, amen means. Unless someone is born, and the Greek word is anothen, most English translations will say again. Some English translations will say born anew. But do you know what the word literally means? It means born from above. Now, it is obvious when we get to the, the, the verse following this that Nicodemus took it to mean again, right? But that's not what Jesus was saying. I don't know if you've ever gotten to a place in your life where, you know, maybe things have not gone well or you've messed up and you were just like, man, I, you know, I need, I need a do-over, okay? Anybody play golf? I need a mulligan. You know, I, I've got to, I've just, you know, I wish I could just go back. I mean, I won't get you to raise your hand, but I, you know, I wonder if you've been through enough stuff to where you're like, you know what? I'm not even really terribly enthusiastic about my life at this point. I wish I could just start over, okay? Well, frankly, that's exhausting, right? Um, I, I love being around kids, but you know, bless you, I wouldn't be you again, right? So you go through that one time. And here's the reality. If you started all over again, do you think you would make no mistakes, right? Maybe if you still have the knowledge that you have now, you could avoid the mistakes that you made before. Well, that's part of repentance, right? To rethink what you've done and say, if I were to go back, I would not do that again. That's repentance. But that's not the same. If you were to start all over again with a natural birth, it wouldn't help you. It really wouldn't. We don't believe in reincarnation, right? This is, a, this is an idea uh, that comes from uh, the eastern part of the world, that there is this, uh, e this cycle of eternal recurrence, right? There is birth, and there is death, and then there is rebirth. But we're not talking about a spiritual rebirth. We're talking about you're just born as a, another human, or you're born as another form of life, Okay. I won't get into that, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what we're talking about. He says, 
unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot perceive the kingdom of God, right? Or she cannot perceive the kingdom of God. You can't even sense the presence of God or his kingdom until God does something from above inside of you. You can't work your way into it, right? Verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? And this is the first clue that Nicodemus probably was old. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, he could have, that is Nicodemus was a rabbi. Rabbis used what is known as hyperbole, where you're like, you know, making a statement that's like way over the top, okay? When Jesus said, um, don't judge others, right? And he said, take the log out of your eye before you start trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's hyperbole. And you just, you know, we've used that so much, but you've just got to imagine somebody with a giant beam sticking out of their head, right? Bashing other people as they turn back and forth. And then they're reaching out to try to take a little piece of sawdust out of somebody else's eye. That's what Jesus said, you know, you're doing. Well, he's using hyperbole here. Well, it is possible that Nicodemus understood Jesus' statement as hyperbolic right? I don't know that he would have just been completely literal about this, but nonetheless, that's what he says. He's, he's interpreting it as born again, born a second time naturally, but Jesus indicates clearly that he's not talking about a second natural birth. Verse 5, Jesus answered, stop Nicodemus, listen, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, unless one is born of water and the Spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're spiritually born, unless you're born from above, you can't even perceive the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter God's kingdom. Born of water, there's a controversial one right there. I'm gonna just make this very, very simple. I believe that born of water refers to the natural. Natural birth is preceded by the woman's water breaking, and then the baby comes forth. Nicodemus has just talked about entering a second time into his mother's womb. I believe Jesus is affirming that and saying, yes, Nicodemus, someone has to be born naturally and then born supernaturally. One is not enough. Further, I believe that this is also pointing to John's baptism, as in John the Baptist's baptism. Baptism, the way churches like ours practice it, the way we believe the scripture is teaching it, following the word in Greek, which is baptizo, which means to immerse, it, um, involves taking a person and putting them all the way under the water and then bringing them up out of the water. So they, it's like being born again. It's like coming up out of this watery womb, if you will. So baptism is a symbol of repentance, cleansing, rebirth. It's focusing on the reality that you were born once, right? Water is the natural, but you have to be born a second time from above. You have to be born of the spirit. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Verse six, Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. There it is again. Nicodemus talks about natural birth. Jesus says born of water. Now uh, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the natural, right? It doesn't mean your, your skin. It doesn't just mean uh, the, the sinful nature. It just means the nature of a human being, right? That's what, or the nature of really any animal. 
That's the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Flesh cannot give birth to spirit. Friends, we don't evolve into spiritual beings. We cannot on our own develop into spiritual beings because it's another order of existence. It's another order of being. It's not the same thing, right? Now you have a spirit. That's what makes you unique. There are, you know, there's all kinds of discussion about what uh, the difference between, you know, humans and animals is. And, uh, you know, the, the statement has often come down, well, it's because a human being has a soul and an animal doesn't. Well, no, a, a, an animal has a rudimentary soul. What an animal doesn't have that you have is a spirit. The spirit that you have comes from God. In uh, Genesis 2.7, it says, and God formed man from the dust of the earth, that's your body. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That word in Hebrew for breath is the same as the word for spirit. And man became a living being. And that word for being, translated being, is the same word for soul. Your body and the animating spirit that comes from God results in a unique human soul. We are made in the image of God. No other part of creation uh, God made in the same respect, okay? So Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's why religion can't save you. Right? You can do all sorts of things that are, that are religious. You know, you can... You can pray lots of prayers and you can do rosary beads and you can sing lots of religious songs and you could, you know, go on a pilgrimage, go to Israel. Uh, you, you know, you can do all of these different things, but in the end, it's just natural. It's just flesh. And the flesh cannot give birth to spirit. It cannot result in something spiritual. Jesus said that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Back to your spirit. In the natural, your spirit is, you're spiritually stillborn at birth, okay? Your spirit is deaf and blind, perhaps we could say, using different analogies here. Your spirit is part of the fallen nature of human beings. Your spirit is enthralled and enmeshed in sin. It is incapable of seeing or hearing God. I kind of think of... Uh, uh, this uh, this person, Helen Keller. Has anybody ever heard the story about Helen Keller? Absolutely amazing woman. But she was born both blind and deaf. Can you imagine that? So obviously she's deaf. She can't speak either. And she can't see. So when she was, you know, very young, uh, she was just very wild. Like an, just kind of like an animal. Just because there, there, there were no words in her head. There was no way to communicate, but a breakthrough happened when her teacher started signing using American Sign Language and putting it in her hand. And this aha moment happened in Helen Keller, and she's, because she's looking at all this, and here's water, and she spelled it out in my hand. And, she, and Helen Keller was actually a brilliant person, but this brilliance was trapped inside this body that couldn't see and couldn't hear. That's your spirit. You can't see God. You can't hear God. You're trapped in that 
until God does something to open your eyes, to open your ears, to bring the truth into you, okay? So that's what Jesus is saying. We can't do it on our own. God has to do a magnificent work within us. That's verse seven. Verse eight, then Jesus uses this analogy. He says, the wind blows where it wishes or where it wills, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's a spiritually driven person. So the wind was blowing really pretty hard this morning. Did you notice? And we've got a flag out there that has our church's name on it. And the other church that meets in here, well, I put his flag out there as well. And I mean to tell you, you know, the, the wind is just blowing. I can look at the direction the flag is blowing. So I have an idea that the wind, you know, at least came from that direction, but I don't know where it goes after that, Okay. And ultimately, beyond just generally coming from that direction, I don't know where it came from. And Jesus is saying, this is what it's like to be a spiritually driven person. The Spirit fills your sail and pushes you and moves you a particular direction. But nobody understands that, right? The Apostle Paul said it this way. This is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The natural person, that's the fleshly person, the carnal person, right? The person who has not been reborn does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. Ah, that's stupid. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, this is the person that's been born of the Spirit, right? The person that's been born from above. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have access to the mind of Christ through the Spirit who gives us rebirth if we receive that. And then we become persons who are moved by the Spirit, driven by the Spirit, convicted by the Spirit. That's what you should be seeking to pay attention to all the time. I was telling you guys this over and over again during the pandemic, right? We're all scared. We're all, you know, closed into our houses and freaking out and, you know, wondering what we're going to do. But, you, you know, you got to get out of the house. You got to go shopping, right? Uh, some of you had jobs that were essential, so you had to go out and you had to do that. And you don't know, you know, what do I do? What do I? And I said, you need to be spiritually sensitive. You really need to be spiritually sensitive because I really believe that the Holy Spirit will he will guide you. He will direct you. He will check you when you're going in a direction that you shouldn't go. He will convict you, convince you, move you to go in the direction he wants you to go, just like the wind blowing that flag or just like the wind filling a sail on a boat out on the ocean, okay? Verse nine, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Now he's just completely confused. Verse 10, Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? Now, not just any teacher, but the teacher, a preeminent teacher of Israel. And yet you do not understand these things? And now he hits him again. This is the third double amen. Nicodemus, pay attention. Nicodemus, you need to listen. Put down all of your preconceived notions and pay attention to me. You came to this interview because you wanted to understand what God is doing. Now I'm trying to tell you. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of that of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Who is we? We. 
Now, that was something interesting, and I don't quite understand why uh, Dallas Jenkins changed that to I, because Jesus clearly here says we. Who's he talking about? Well, who has borne witness to Jesus so far in John's text? First, John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist said, the Spirit of God descended on him and showed me that this is the Son of God. He's bearing witness. So a part of the we is John. But the other part of the we is the the person that Jesus has been talking about in this text, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is trying to bear witness of me right now, Nicodemus. Are you paying attention? Hey, friend, I am praying. I hope, I have asked that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to you right now, is convicting you. Are you paying attention, right? So there it is. That's the we that he's talking about. And he's saying, you you all are not paying attention. So he's referring not only to Nicodemus, but to those that Nicodemus represents when Nicodemus came to Jesus. Verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus said, we're just at at rung one of the ladder. I can't even begin to give you the wisdom of God because you don't understand this basic reality, which is you have to be transformed by the spirit on the inside. No one has ascended into heaven. There's no Jacob's ladder that goes from earth to heaven. You remember that story in Genesis chapter 11 uh, about the Tower of Babel? You guys remember that story? Okay. Human beings were feeling that they could do just about anything, and they built this huge tower. Okay. We think it was a a ziggurat. We see examples of this all over the the, uh, uh, Iraq Iraq area, okay, a ziggurat. So they could build this very, very tall tower and they wanted to build it all the way up to heaven somehow to reach the gods. And that's religion, okay? I wanna build my tower all the way up, build my kingdom, build my life. I wanna touch the sky, I wanna touch the face of God. It doesn't work that way. Jacob's ladder came down from heaven. Jesus said that he would be Jacob's ladder and the angels would ascend and descend upon him. Jesus opens the portal to heaven. Jesus is the way. That's how we get to heaven. Jesus is the one who will give you that spiritual rebirth by pouring his spirit out upon you, okay? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is the only one that has come down and returned to heaven. Christians are not being narrow when they say Jesus is the only way. They're just being factual, right? It's not mean to say Jesus is the only way. It's just the reality. Jesus is the one and only Son of God who came to earth, died for your sins and mine, was buried and rose on the third day and then ascended back to the right hand of the Father where he sits until all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. The only way for you to get into heaven is through Jesus. And the only way for you to get by and understand what's going on on earth, to perceive God's movement on earth and what he's doing and saying is to receive the Holy Spirit and let him give you this spiritual rebirth. Verse 14 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, if you were paying attention, 
uh, to the clip from The Chosen, there was a bit of an explanation that was given there. But what happened is the, the people were blaspheming against God and against Moses, right? He said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us in the desert? And their venom and their vitriol was turned into a curse when God sent snakes into their midst to start biting them. And these snakes bit them and many of them died. So they cried out. They repented. They told Moses, we're sorry, help us. Moses interceded. He prayed to God. And God said, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna take a, an example of that, those snakes that are biting them. And you're gonna cast it as in bronze and you're gonna put it on a pole. And it's gonna be tall enough so that anybody in the camp can look at that pole. And if they look at that pole with the symbol of the curse on it, then they will be healed. Jesus said, so must the son of man be lifted up. He would be lifted up on a cross so that anyone who looks to Jesus in faith can be healed from the disease that will kill us forever, and that is sin. Jesus became a curse for us on the cross so that we could receive the spirit. In fact, let me read that. Um, this is in Galatians chapter 3. I should have marked it. Listen to what uh, the scripture says. Uh, Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree or on a pole. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that is righteousness that comes through faith, that's the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus is now telling Nicodemus what is going to take place in order that he can be reborn, in order that you and I can be reborn. He is going to be lifted up on a pole, but you have to look in faith. That's what Jesus said in verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Do you wanna have eternal life? Not just everlasting life, living on and on and on the way you are now, Okay, that's exhausting. But eternal life, God quality life. Well, then John 3.16 is for you. And that's the very next verse, and it's the last verse. You know John 3.16, don't you? The most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. What does that mean? God loved the people of this world so much that what? That what? He gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that what? Whoever does what? Believes in him will not what? Perish. Doesn't just mean physically die. It means be wiped out entirely, okay? Be destroyed forever in hell. Will not perish, but have what? That's how you have eternal life. You put your faith in Jesus. Now, what has this sermon been to you? Wah, 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 wah. I've heard that before. I've heard that story before. But the question is, have you been spiritually reborn?
Have you been born from above? Do you sense the Spirit directing you, convicting you, guiding you, comforting you, counseling you, or not? Today, you can change all of that. All you have to do is open up and receive. So the band's gonna play a worship set for us. And what I would pray you do, we're putting a longer worship set at the end because I, I just, this is not just nice music. These guys are phenomenal musicians. I mean, they're very skilled. I enjoy what they do. But this is about giving you an opportunity to enter into the presence of God. I believe the Spirit wants to pour out uh, or the, Jesus wants to pour out his spirit on this congregation as he's been pouring out his spirit all over the country. The question is, are you a vessel that is willing to receive that outpouring? I hope and I pray that you'll do that now. If you would like to give us feedback, uh, you can go to our website, lifewellchurch.com, and you will find uh, on the main page, there's a feedback tab, and you can click that. You can fill out that form. Uh, you can give us feedback. You can ask for prayer requests, all sorts of things like that. I hope that you are able to do this. We have a text service uh, that I use to send out information on our church throughout the week. And uh, basically, all you need to do is text the word LIFEWELL, from your phone to 94000. And if you do that, it'll drop you into that news text list, and you'll get a couple of those texts uh, from us every week.